I have descended from the sound booth on this night to bring you tidings of great joy, I hope. And uh, I brought along my stunt double, should I go down, as you can see. So we're in good hands. Before I begin, I'd like to just mention that uh, my family hosts Chris Christmas every year, and we're doing it uh, again this year. It's at our house. If there is uh, anyone in this church, known or unknown to us, who has no place to go tomorrow, uh, we would like to extend an invitation. We're in Carl Place, 31 Webster Street. We've got more food than we know what to do with. If you want to come after 3 o'clock, uh, each and every one of you, except for Jim Westbrook, has an invitation <laughs> to come. Uh, he eats all my olives. I don't know what to do. Well, when John called me last week and asked me to share my testimony, I had the natural reaction that all of you might have. Oh, no. What am I going to talk about? He's, he's asking a former Catholic with a Jewish last name to testify at his Presbyterian church on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Clearly, he's hit rock bottom. He must have gone through everyone. How many people did John call last week and you were busy or sick? But I think it was because of my diverse Christian background that brought me to where I am today as a Christian that he asked me to come up here and speak today. Now, I have been to many Christmas Eve services. I've heard many riveting testimonies up here. I'll never forget Rob Pomeroy's testimony. I'll never forget Brett Grobman's testimony. Testimonies of people whose faith was shaken and restored by God whose lives were actually turned around. I don't have quite that. Uh, I don't want to set the expectation. This, as far as excitement goes, this might be more like Phantom Menace and Empire Strikes Back, so I, I, hope, uh, I hope that doesn't disappoint. But basically, I've always considered myself a Christian, and for the longest time, I really had no idea what that meant. As I mentioned, Aberman is a Jewish last name. Now, I've got to give you a little background on my family. My whole family is Italian Catholic. Everyone came from, there was one Jew, Morris Aberman, who married uh, my grandma. He was my father's father. Uh, Morris Aberman was a cab driver in New York City. On Saturdays, he didn't go to synagogue. He went to Aqueduct. I could have just as easily been raised Jewish, but I wasn't. Uh, we were raised Catholic. The, the uh, steerage of the family fell to his wife, uh, my father's mother, Crucifixio lo Cicero. Folks, you don't get more Italian Catholic than a Crucifixio lo Cicero. She came here uh, from Sicily when she was 14. She's still around. She's 101. Uh, she'll, 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 that's, that's, Sicilian, that's that Sicilian blood. It's like ragu. Just, she's still going. And then it was me and my brother and my parents, and we grew up on a nice town on Long Island, Babylon, New York, and we were religious, but not overtly religious. God was on our minds, if not on our hearts. I did everything you're supposed to do as a Catholic growing up. I went to religious instruction. I got communion and confirmation. And we were peripheral about the whole thing. God had mentioned in our house. Thank God it stopped raining. Thank God the pizza came. Thank God the Mets got rid of Bobby Bonilla. Things like that. And we did our best, we thought. We showed up at, uh, you know, the Christmas Eve ceremonies and Easter's, Good Fridays, the playoff games. We made all those. As I got older, I went to college. I stayed local. I went to Hofstra. I found myself going by myself. So my family fell off. 
I still went. I went to the 11:30 slacker mass at St. Joe's in Babylon. Uh, you know, I would show up even then at 11:45. Punctuality has never been a strong suit of mine. Uh, and I would stand in the back, actually, and I would tell myself it was because I was helping the ushers do the collections, which I did. But the real reason I was there in the back was because once you got the host, you received communion every week in the Catholic Church. Once you get the host. I was quickly out the door, so I didn't have to go back and hear the benediction and the announcements. It was a way to condense it and beat the traffic. And still, I felt pretty good about going. That's what I thought the whole thing was. I thought that was the path to Jesus to salvation, was being a good person. Hold open doors, write checks to charities every now and then, admit your sins, say our fathers, say six of these if you did something wrong, say seven of these if you did something else wrong. Going along like that. God, to me... Best like a way to put it. God to me was like a lifeguard. Was a lifeguard do? He stands in the back and over you, and he watches over you if you get into trouble. But he pretty much lets you do your own thing. And you're in the water, and if you do get into trouble, the water gets rocky, or you're caught in an undertow. You tend to look a little more to that lifeguard just to make sure he's there. But you see what I'm saying? He was on the outside. Any ritual. No, how to, no matter how important, starts to lose its meaning if you don't give it a lot of thought. Sit, stand, cross, say this, say that. I, I got to interject here one thing. If there are any uh, Catholic guests here with us today, any former Catholics, this is nothing against the Catholic Church. This is not what this is about. Uh, my whole family is still Catholic. Some of them are very spiritual and proud to, self, proud to call themselves Christians. We still worship the same God. Catholics have done incredible things on this earth. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about worshiping through actions rather from the heart. And that can happen in any faith. John talked about this last week so eloquently about biting into the stale roll. And that's what it had become for me, really. Talking about habituation. A watch. How many of you wear a watch? You'll all be looking at it in the next few minutes, I'm sure. But remember when you first put a watch on, you noticed it, you knew it was there. Now it's just kind of there, and you don't give it much thought. Most of us have clocks on our phones anyway. And I started to feel a little bit lost, and I moved to the city, and for years I attended no church at all. I still kept the traditions I could, not eating meat on Fridays during Lent. That's a big one for me, and it was. As a young man, you go out with your friends to a bar on a Saturday night and, or a Friday night, and it's 11.30, and you get hungry, and your animal heathen friends are eating cheeseburgers and wings, and you got to wait till 12.01 before you can partake. That's what it was. Outside signals, not inner signals. So I was lost in a way. Then God shook things up, as he often does, in a very subtle way. He sends me a girl. He sends me a beautiful Wonderful, smart girl. Then her visa expired and she had to go back to Germany. And shortly after that, I met Kim. <laughs> and, uh, which, <laughs> no, 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 you know, no, no, that's not right, you know. Kim was the girl in the first story. Kim was, a, Kim was a church-going girl. She, goes to, she went to this church. And after we got married, she knew I loved God, but she would go to church and I would go jogging and to the gym or watch football. 
And she said to me, you should go to a church. Even if it's not my church, go to a Catholic church. I'll go with you. You see, she's more concerned about my soul than I was. So finally, I relented. I started to come. And it couldn't have been more different, obviously, than a Catholic church. It took me a while to get used to things. And she would say things to me, not in an antagonistic way, not in my face. Questions about the way I was carrying myself in my faith. Well, what's the no eating meat on Friday thing all about, she said. I said, well, you just don't do it. (laughs) She said, it's not in the Bible. I said, it had to be in the Bible. I went to the don'ts, the D's, Damascus, death, Deuteronomy. It's not there. Hmm. It's not in there. What else isn't in there? Better yet, what's in there? I had never read it. I had never read the book. They don't call it the, 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 good, the pretty good book. They don't call it the okay book. It's called the good book. And if you start to read it, you can feel things start to change if you really start to get into it. And I read and I read and I read and I felt there were more questions brewing. The more answers I came across, the more questions I had. And I felt maybe this is the way to Jesus finally. I found the way. Coming to church became not about checking a box, about obligation, as John has so often said, You don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. I started to feel that here with the music and the message and the fellowship and the bagels. I'm going to be honest. The bagels had a lot to do. (laughs) It wasn't about showing God I was a good boy. It was about worshiping. A true worship for a God that sended into greatness, put on human flesh to save us. And after years and years of getting letters from John every year, inviting me to consider what it truly means to profess profess my faith publicly. Finally, one day I opened the letter and I said, this is what I want to do, and I said yes. And I was truly led to God to profess my faith in Christ alone, something I thought I had done years ago but was not even close. I felt renewed, maybe born again, again, see how that works. And God no longer seemed to me to be a lifeguard at the beach, but the very ocean itself, the ocean I wanted to be submerged in, to dive into, to buoy me, to cleanse my soul, to get in my hair, in my mouth, in my eyes. It's a totally different feeling. It's not about actions. I heard Charles Zimmerman put it this way. Christianity is not spelled D-O. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. Jesus did it. He came to do what we could not do for ourselves. I'll close with this. This Thanksgiving, I was cornered by two atheists. Always fun. We were at my in-law's house, and I walked in on a, on a heated debate about the Old Testament. And then uh, Jane Colombo left the room. She left me there with two atheists. She put a banana bread down, she left the room. <laughs> and there I was. You want to learn chapter and verse? You want to learn scripture? Talk to atheists. They have it down, boy. They have it ready to go. Arrows in the quiver. Deuteronomy. Second Kings. This is your God. Explain yourself. And the gut reaction is to come right back at them with an intelligent answer. You know what I've learned that they hate, and you know what I do now? I smile at them. Because the smart ones might think that you know something they don't. And you do. You're a child of the king. 
You know that being a Christian doesn't mean having all the answers, but entrusting the one who does. Lastly, I have discovered that there is no human way to climb to Jesus. There just is no way to Jesus. Jesus himself is the way. I thank you all for listening to me tonight, and I wish you a Merry Christmas.